look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, and my co-host here, Dave Popwich. How you doing, buddy? I'm terrific. Faisal, you? Uh, I'm cold. Well, yeah, it does, a, it, does appear week. that uh, summer perhaps uh, transitioned. <laughs> we went from 30 degrees <laughs> to like minus three or something like that. It's not done yet. It's okay. not. We always get a good fall. I'm, I'm still hopeful. Friday morning, I saw snow on cars. Shh. Like, this is... You didn't. This is terrible. I waved my hand. The force <laughs> be with you, brother. You didn't see that. I've lived in Calgary practically all my life, and I'm still complaining about this kind of thing. Well, we can see snow anytime. It's not done, though. I promise. I promise everybody. We're good. We're going to have a nice long fall. It's going to be. It's going to be enjoyable. Okay, that's that's his forecast. Right. Um, but let's talk about. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a weather man. Okay, I'll put that out there. Yeah, that's no why they don't let me do the weather. It. That's right, because I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> but um, we are going to hear a little bit about ETFs, exchange traded funds. Now there are, um, you know, they've become all the rage in the last little while. There's lots of press about them, but uh, we want to talk a little bit about what they are and how they can be effective for you. It is just another financial tool in our tool belt. Tool belt. So we felt it necessary to do um, uh, a piece on helping people understand what an exchange-traded fund is. There's a lot of misunderstandings about them as well, so we're going to discuss that and make sure we can differentiate between what's an exchange-traded fund, let's say mutual funds or other types of structured products that are out there. Mm -hmm. We need to understand a little bit of a difference because there is, there is some out there. Well, we've got a retirement survey um, that was just completed. It's the 12th year. It found some interesting data that shows retirement's not necessarily what you expect. We're going to talk to... Um, one of the uh, the senior people that was responsible for the the research on that, and um, I there's some interesting um, discrepancies and big concerns. So right. I think people need to tune in for that segment for sure because there's going to be um, a lot of concerns about people who are thinking about retirement or maybe they're not thinking enough about retirement and and the concerns that come out of that. And then also we're going to learn some secrets to saving on taxes in retirement. But this is a a biggest pet peeve of mine if overpaying in taxes. We work our our darnest and our team to try to lower our clients' tax uh, liabilities and work with experts out there uh, on the in the tax side. So I think this is going to be a, a good piece. Saving on tax, in my opinion, is real return, buddy. Nobody lives on after tax or on pre-tax income. You live on after tax. The more in your pocket, the better the quality of life. So uh, stick around for that for sure. This was an interesting week. This was another week that was. Um, dominated by uh by geopolitical risk and uh and the u.s well and, and central banks actually i just don't want to talk about the fed but the cent central bank so, policy so you mentioned geopolitical before you mentioned central bank yeah. very interesting so tell me your thoughts behind um how the let's talk about first the stock market sure how is the stock market reacting to geopolitical risk it's not okay so that's that's interesting for right. me because shouldn't it um, yeah um, have we not experienced that in the past when someone says they're going to launch uh, missiles or any type of, of artillery against another nation? Don't we have a reaction? And so why was there no reaction is where the jury is out on. Uh, and then more reaction on the Federal Reserve. Yeah, you know, the it is, it's fascinating. Let's just talk about maybe the Federal Reserve because that was a big decision. It was a, it was a highly anticipated meeting for the, for the Feds. Um, since the last meeting, I think there was a lot of 
a lot of speculation that perhaps uh, future interest rate rise, interest rate increases in the U.S. were going to slow down and be pushed out. Uh, we wanted some clarification around that. There was some expectation about guidance from the Fed about reducing its balance sheet. And if you recall, since the Great Depression, the U.S. Fed has literally bought trillions of dollars worth of mortgage-backed securities and government bonds, all in an effort to reduce interest rates, longer-term rates, not just short-term, but longer-term rates, and provide stimulus to the economy. Well, how do we unwind that, right? So after nine years of of this expansion, how do we unwind that monetary policy? So a lot of anticipation on that. And we got clarification, didn't we? We got a a little bit more hawkish tone coming from Janet Yellen uh, with respect to uh, future interest rate increases. That immediately moved the expectation of a December rate increase back onto the table. It's a live meeting again. So let me just jump in and give you some numbers that we that I calculated. First of all, prior to her announcement and her press conference, okay, um, there was a 20% chance, according to the, the fixed income market, yeah. that interest rates in the U.S. will rise in December. Right. After her comments, it shot up to 67% likelihood. So these are bets. These are, um, you know, people putting their money on the line saying, you know, we believe this is going to happen. And so for that kind of a jump, threefold of, of optimism on a rate increase is a big jump in a matter of days. Yeah, no, for sure. In a matter of hours, really, when that happened, Fair, yeah. right? This And this is part and parcel of what's been defining the market. Like, we haven't had much volatility in the, let's take the stock market as an example, right? It's um, It doesn't, it just seems to be moving past the geopolitical risk, not pricing it in. I mean, I've read the analyst reports talking about how difficult it is to, to uh, perhaps price in a binary event like a nuclear war or not a nuclear war, right? Yeah. Doesn't seem to be any middle ground there, so we're just looking past it. But the currency markets have been very active, and we've talked about the Canadian-U.S. exchange rate and what's happened. We've seen the Canadian dollar soften after the you know the U.S. Fed came out with their decision off of the highs. So the currency markets is where the volatility has actually been. Um, but I, I, I got to tell you, I, I think that that the synchronization of the central bank policy is going to be back on the table again. Remember, back in, in 08 and 09, when the crisis was happening, we had this great synchronization amongst central banks pushing rates down, trying to uh, pro- provide liquidity to the system and the banking community, right? We've had some differences in terms of timing, haven't we? We've had the Fed lead in terms of interest rate increases. Canada has been the second central bank to get on board with rate increases, but now we're hearing out of the Bank of England, we could be months, you know, within months, we could see increases there. Correct. The European Central Bank is starting. Uh, to talk about uh, a reduction in monetary policy, likely not in- interest rate increases to begin with. But the timing differences on when these central banks make decisions and provide guidance, Faisal, is having a big influence in the markets, bond markets, interest rate markets, and currency markets right now. Should people be scared, Dave? Should people be worried about this? Because when everything was going down from an interest rate perspective, that was liquidity being brought into the market, which brought the stock markets on both sides of the, of the border here in North America um, to all-time highs. Um, should we be worried that on the other way around, that if they're all going to start to slowly go up, that we're going to see the reversal potential? Well, scared. I don't want to. I don't want to create a fear factor, but I think we need to be cognizant of the fact that it's happening, and we need to be asking questions about how best to position in an environment where we are reversing out that monetary stimulus that we've built up over ten years, and it's likely not going to be reversed out overnight, right? There's going to. Be, it's this is a long period of time, so an investment thesis around those assumptions, I think, becomes very important because it will have implications on different asset classes, won't it? I think we need to also be a bit more humble 
and um, learn from our experience in 2008, 2009, when rates were being dropped. A lot of the conversation back then was, should we go, and I'm going to use the words all in, should we go all in equity right. because things are going to go up because there's so much stimulus? And that was a good argument. Some people have said yes. Some people have said no. The, 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 the concept behind this, especially in the Canadian markets versus the U.S., that going all in the Canadian stock market, just the index alone, did not really pay off that well over the, over the last 10 years. Okay, like It wasn't great numbers like it was in the United States. Doing the opposite when interest rates are rising globally is to go all out or all in bonds or all in something but stocks is also the same mistake. And so you need to have that what if scenario. What if we're wrong? What if this di- this change in interest rates that could happen globally do not impact the equity market? Do you want to be out of something that could go up still? And in certain areas around the world, they haven't made money over the last three, five, ten years. There's opportunity out there. And so are we seeing a rotational of, the, of that viewpoint or should you go all out? Of course, everybody in their own situation has to get the advice on their own portfolio. But I would caution anybody to make a rash decision to go either all in or all out on anything given all the the volatility and the uncertainty that's happening geopolitically through central banks and through the, 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 the economic world as we speak. So two comments about that. The one thing I'm concerned about is, um, is a discipline breakdown. So what we're seeing, I mean, if you look at equity markets, they just seem to continually go up and there's no volatility, right? Um, that is the reverse of what his, uh, traditionally happens. We're in a weird period where you've got very little risk and you've got nothing but growth. And this drives people's behavior into that scenario that you discussed. Correct. So if there's a discipline breakdown, this is where people get caught. It's very hard in this. This, this. this looks like a bit of a late cycle trade, right? Where everything just gets pushed up with no, with, with no concern for risk, right? But boy, what we saw with the, with the currency, as an example, the U.S. Canadian currency, if you get a surprise, and there are surprises all the time. All the time. Then you get these very violent moves. And I think that's what people have to be cognizant of when you make those, those big bets. Um, it's sure fun on the way up. It's really lousy on the way down. And so you have to decide where in that middle ground, if you're not on the extremes, where in the middle do you want to live from a risk perspective and then try to anticipate or calculate what kind of return you can expect, right? So... Be very, very careful about the environment that we're in right now from a discipline perspective. I think this is the kind of market that can trap people on the wrong side of a trade very quickly and create some damage. Yeah, and that's where we're going to talk about this and our disciplined approach, which is the five-pillar investment strategy on Tuesday, September 26th, 7 p.m. at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine Spirits and Beer. Now you need to reserve your seats. So give us a call to register at 966-8400. That's 966-8400, or go to our website to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. Ever wondered what an exchange-traded fund is, an ETF, and how it differs from a mutual fund? Stick around after the break. We're going to discuss that a lot more. News Talk 770 and More Than Money. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.